Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. The key to confidence, and this isn't... uh going to be a self-help sermon or a uh, motivational sermon, but the true key to confidence in Jesus Christ. Uh, That's what we need, is our our strength coming from the Lord, and He is our all in all. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible says grace, uh, verse 2 says grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. For our fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, a church that uh, had been planted uh, through his going and preaching the gospel, these new believers, uh, he says here in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that He, God, Jesus Christ, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul writing here in his confident prayer, he's praying for the church, he's praying for these believers at Philippi, and he says... uh, I'm praying for you, but my prayers are confident in in the Lord that He is going to work in your life as He has from the very first day when you received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, God will and continue to work in your life. And Paul said, even though I'm not there with you, I'm confident that the Lord is at work in your life. He says, I'm praying for you and I'm confident in my prayer. Listen, It's better to pray for people than to worry about it, isn't it? Better to pray for people than to talk about it, isn't it? Just to go to the Lord and bring your request before Him. Uh, He says here, the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be working in their lives until their completion. Listen, there is a day coming uh, when we will be completed. Amen. Uh, We are saved. We are, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have no... uh, uh, fear of losing that salvation. He has begun a work in us and He will continue to do it until that day when we are what the Bible calls glorified. Right? And so He is continuing this work in us. And Paul here is confident in God, in His power, in His ability, right? In His understanding to do the work in the believer's life. It's, I think it's good for us to think about that maybe with our children or with others maybe that we've accept, that we've led to Jesus Christ to remember that, hey, if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have this Holy Spirit of God in them and God will continue to work in their life as they allow Him. Right? Paul goes on in verse 14 talking about his imprisonment and the sufferings. It's, I think it's important to remember uh, whenever you're reading... This book of rejoicing, written by Paul, Philippians, that this is called a prison epistle, right? 
that he writes this uh, in his bondage, but he still has the joy of the Lord. He says in verse 14, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul says, listen, the suffering that I've gone through, he, he says in the verses before that, they happened for the furtherance of the gospel, meaning it was the will of God, the trouble, the trials that I went through. And through those, other brothers and sisters in Christ able to look at Paul and be confident that even in trouble, even in suffering, God was at work in his life. And God was working a good thing throughout. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3 that the things that he's confident in is not himself. He says that in Philippians 3, 3 he says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, having no confidence in the flesh. In other words, no confidence in my own ability. Right? He says in verse 4, Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul says, I have a lot of credentials. Right? I was a Pharisee. I was zealous. I, according to the law, you couldn't prove me guilty of anything. Paul said. He said, born in the, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was uh, Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said, I, all those sort of things that I could have trusted in, you know, my pedigree, my background, my education. He said, that is not what I put my confidence in. Although I have a lot of confidence, Paul says, it's not in myself. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he says. That's why Paul, throughout his suffering, throughout his tribulation in the book of, of Philippians, he's able to say many times, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And again, I say rejoice. That was Christ in him. Christ in Paul. That was the power of Paul's life. That's the power of our life. Is the Holy Spirit of God. That's that enthusiastic, right? The Holy Spirit of God filling us and empowering us for His work and for His call. Confidence in Christ translates in our life into many good things. It'll translate into peace, right? Joy, hope for the future, hope even in trouble, right? Even in tribulation, even in testing, even in temptation, hope even in that. It brings purpose even in trouble. It brings a calm assurance when our confidence, when our trust, when our reliance is on God. Listen, when trouble comes to us and our confidence is in the Lord, it may drive us to our knees, right? It may drive us to pray more. It may drive us to seek more. It may even drive us into the Word of God asking for answers and seeking answers. But I feel like that is probably a good thing. Taking our questions and our concerns to the Lord and finding out what He has. Now listen, again, like I started, this uh, the key to confidence, this isn't a self-confidence. You say, why, why isn't self-confidence that important? Why is that flawed? Because it's based on self. Right? Because it, it, it's, 
it just isn't enough. It's, it's shallow, right? Compared to God confidence, compared to His ability, compared to His knowledge, compared to His strength, compared to His understanding, compared to His purpose in our lives, even if we had the, the credentials of Paul the Apostle, it's still so small and limited, right? So our confidence can be in the Lord and in His strength and His ability. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says this, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and he spreadeth out a roots by the river and shall not see the heat cometh when the heat cometh. For a leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall uh, cease from yielding fruit. It says a familiar passage, Psalms 23. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. What a confidence. Listen, if we have a confidence even in death, that's a confidence, isn't it? That even in death, he says, I shall not fear. Why? Because thou art with me. He says, thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's confidence. When that, when that, when when we believe that deep down in our heart that yeah, the Lord's going to be with me even in the shadow of death. The Lord's going to be with me in the presence of my enemies, and the Lord is going to have mercy and goodness new and ready for me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. I'm just trying to let that sink in just for a second, but but that'll just. Doesn't that do something for us? That He is with me. He will not leave me nor forsake me. All the days of my life, He is there. That'll, that'll bring, be, begin to bring a song in the heart, won't it? That, that Paul talked about that, that uh, song that, that we sing in our heart that is brought about by the Holy Spirit's filling, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. All the days of my life, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days, all the days of my life. Amen. I mean, think about that. If we really believe that, my goodness, he, he is, this is the hope of my future. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. The hope of my future is God Almighty who is faithful. He has promised us some things. He has promised us goodness. He's promised us mercy, His grace, His filling, His fellowship. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy paths. Listen, in all thy ways, 
You say, what, what do I put my what, what, what areas of my life should I put my confidence in God? In all my ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall direct that path, right? He says in the same passage, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And what? Lean not to thine own understanding. Isn't it wonderful to think that the path of our life can be plotted by the Lord? He can lead us and guide us if we just acknowledge Him, if we just trust Him, if we believe Him. There's purpose in that. You know what this is? This confidence, this trust, this reliance, this assurance that we have on the Lord? This is faith. Right? This is faith. Romans 14.23 has a pretty powerful verse in there for us as believers. It says this, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. In other words, if we're trying to live our Christian life without faith, without trusting God, without assurance, boy, that is just, we're missing out. We're missing out. The just shall live by faith. Right? It says that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. We talked about that at the Bible study on Wednesday night. This is the verse. These are the passages that Martin Luther wrestled with. Martin Luther was a religious man, very religious man, a monk, a priest in Germany in the 1500s. And he just, he just was wrestling with this thing about the Lord's righteousness. And he wrestled with this verse and wrestled with this verse. And eventually... Martin Luther was born again. And I mean, he was a changed man. He started the Protestant movement. He, 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 he began a thirst for the Word of God uh, in, in, in that time. He said this, one of the quotes by Martin Luther. He said this, Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure, so certain so sure that a man would stake his life on it a thousand times over. Martin Luther, I'm going to read it. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure, so certain that a man would stake his life on it a thousand times over. Oswald Chambers said this, Faith is confidence in God. Before you see him emerge. Therefore, the nature of faith is that it must be tested. It must be tried. The thing about us as believers having confidence in God is that we can be completely confident in the Lord and humble at the same time. You know why? Because our confidence is not in ourselves. We can be confident in God and His purpose for us and humble about... It's, it's really just having the right estimation of ourselves and the right estimation of God. Right? And when we have that, we can be humble about ourselves, humble about our life, but totally confident in the Lord and His work and future for us. A firm trust. To totally, completely rely on Him, our assurance. 
Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings. I want to look at an Old Testament example. 2 Kings chapter 18. Now here's the principle. If we're going to go away with something here, here's the principle. In the New Testament, in the Old Testament, God wants His people to have their confidence in Him. So, the nation of Israel, God wants their confidence in Him. The church, us today, the body of believers, He wants their confidence in Him. For an individual, for us as an individual, God wants our confidence in Him. In 2 Kings 18, there's a king here of Judah. He's a good king. Name's Hezekiah. And just so happens at the same time, there's a good prophet, a great prophet. His name's Isaiah. And during this time of Hezekiah, there's a, there's a revival that happens in, in Judah. And in, in the course of the revival, in the course of them trusting God, putting their faith in God, having their confidence in God, they rebel against the king of Assyria. They choose not to serve him, right? And so this king of Assyria, is named Snacherib, comes up against Judah and surrounds Jerusalem. He sends his general, uh, Rabshakeh, to come up and to begin to attack Judah. But what he did was he began to attack their confidence in God. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse uh, 19. The general of Sennacherib, Rabshakeh, sent unto, unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, who is the king. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? The interesting thing here is Rabshakeh is coming up and talking to all the people on the wall around Jerusalem. And he's talking to them in their own language. And even though the elders asked him not to, right? He comes up and speaking to them in the Hebrew tongue. And he is trying to convince them to surrender. Rabshakeh is not necessarily ready to kill them yet or attack them. He is offering them comfort. And he goes on to say, listen, you're putting your trust in the wrong things. You're putting your trust in the king of, of, of Judah. You're putting your trust in the God of, 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 of Israel. He says, no, listen, if you'll just surrender yourself, talk to the people, we'll take you away and you guys will have awesome vineyards. You guys will have a great oil and, and wine and bread and all these things. It'll be wonderful if you'll just go into captivity with me. Now, during this time, the, the prophet Isaiah is telling them, the king and the nation of Israel, to trust God and not to trust anybody else or anything else. Now, the king, Hezekiah, is tempted 
to hire Pharaoh and Egypt to come and battle for them, to come and fight for them, right? And Isaiah says, don't do that. Don't hire the king of of the Pharaoh. Don't hire the Egyptians to come and fight on your behalf. Just trust God. He says in Isaiah 30 and verse 15, a parallel passage to this. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest ye shall be saved. He said, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Rabshakeh begins to attack their God. He begins to say, listen, your God can't save you. Your God has not been able to save. He's, they had just, the Assyrians and Rabshakeh had gone up to Samaria, uh, had just recently gone up to Samaria, which was the capital of Israel, and had defeated them. And they had a lot of successes behind them. They were a great army, right? And he begins to attack them saying, listen, don't trust in your God. Don't trust in what the prophet's saying. Don't trust in what the king's saying. Surrender yourselves. Come and be our slaves, and you'll have comfort. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to destroy their comfort or their confidence in God. And it's easy to see the parallels and the pictures and types here of Rabshakeh and the the Sennacherib as being our enemy, the enemy uh, being Satan, being principalities and what does the enemy try to do to us in the situations that we face and the problems that we go through, he tries to surround us and say, listen, God can't deliver you. This is something beyond that. This is something beyond uh, what God can do. Here, trust in us. Give up, right? Surrender. Just give up. And in our mind, he attacks the confidence that we have in our God. Would you agree with that? that what the devil will try to do, and, and even is explained to us, why we put on the whole armor of God is because there's darts, right? Those darts doubt, those darts fear, those darts that break our confidence in the Lord. Well, we get those sticking in us long enough. And you know what the ultimate goal is of the enemy? Against the fall. Get us to surrender, to get us not to what? Stand. That's what that passage is talking about. Stand. Right? He wants us to not trust the Lord. He says in verse 22 of 2 Kings 18. But if you say unto me, We trust in the Lord your God, this is uh, Rabshakeh. Is not he whose high places and who altars Hezekiah hath taken away and hath said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before the altar of the Lord? He's saying, listen, if you're saying that you're trusting in God, that's, that's pointless. That's empty. It's going to come up short. He continues to uh, attack them. The, the Bible goes on to say that Hezekiah sends a message to Isaiah. And Isaiah sends a message back to him in, in chapter 19 and verse 6. Look what he says. Isaiah says uh, to the king of of Judah, And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, What? Be not afraid. For the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me, behold, I will send a blast upon him. He will blast them, is what he's saying. And he will hear a rumor and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by 
uh, by the sword in his own land. So the prophet says to Hezekiah, he says, listen, trust in the Lord. Don't fear. God will help you. God will deliver you. Right after that, Rabshakeh comes back with more, uh, you know, vile, blaspheming God, saying, trying to attack the confidence, speaking to the people on the wall. And it's interesting that the people on the wall, as you read down through this, all the people of, 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 of Judah, or Jerusalem, they're not saying anything. They're not saying anything. They are hanging on by a thread. I mean, they're not eating. They don't have food. They are besieged. They are in trouble. And they got Isaiah and Hezekiah on one side saying, trust God, believe God, hold on. And they got Rabshak on the other side talking to them in their own language saying, just surrender and we'll go and give you new vineyards in Assyria. We'll, we'll take you to Nineveh and see how you can have bread in your farms just like you have here. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Just surrender to us, right? And the people are just sitting there back. But you know what I see in this? Sometimes it's going to be your faith that helps somebody else. Hezekiah here was holding on that threat. I mean, it was just, it was touch and go. But they just didn't do anything. They just waited, waited upon the Lord, right? And Hezekiah gets this message again from Rabshakeh. And he goes up and begins to pray in 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter at the hand of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubs, Thou art the God, even Thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down Thine ear and hear, upon, open, uh, hear, open, Lord, Thine eyes, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the king of Assyria hath destroyed the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. And they are no gods, but the work of man's hands, wood, stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. So Hezekiah goes up and puts himself at the mercy of God, drives him to his knees, right? And he even says to the Lord, you know, the devil, he's on my shoulder. He's telling me all the things I can't do and how he's going to destroy me and all the things that all the people he's destroyed before. And the truth of the matter is, Lord, he has. He can. Without you, we are destroyed. Without you, we are in trouble. God, we are asking you for your help. In verse 20, and Isaiah the son of Amos said to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. The Lord heard Hezekiah's prayer and began to work on his behalf. Look at verse 35 of chapter 19. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and four score and five thousand. A hundred and eighty-five thousand. 
And when they arose in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Sennacherib, if you continue to read, he goes back to his home city in Nineveh. He goes into his temple to worship his false gods. And you know what happens? His own sons rise up against him, kill him. You know what you see here? You see a greater king, a more powerful king, Sennacherib, attacking a weaker, a weaker people, a weaker king, right? And Sennacherib and, and Rabshakeh, they come in their own confidence, right? Just blaspheming God, saying, you guys don't have a chance, you don't stand a chance, we're going to destroy you. The best thing that you can do is just surrender yourself, fall at our mercy before we destroy you, come up defiling God, right? Blaspheming God, all these sort of things. And Hezekiah, the weaker king, puts his confidence in the Lord. And what's the outcome? God wins, right? Hezekiah puts his faith in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he comes out on top. This sounds like David and Goliath, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like the story of David and Goliath where David being the, the smaller, the weaker, the more inexperienced warrior, he comes out victorious. Why? Because he put his confidence and his faith in God. Right? How about Moses? I heard the, the preacher that preached the revival a week or so ago, Doug Fisher, I heard him preaching one time about Moses. And Moses, the Bible says in Acts that he was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and that he was mighty in words and deeds. So Moses is prince of Egypt. He's mighty in words and deeds. And God calls him out to deliver his people from Egypt, right? And what does he do after this calling? He goes out and sees an Egyptian uh, hitting a... Israelite, what's he do? He takes matters into his own hands, confidence in himself, he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. Right? Well, that didn't deliver his people, did it? Moses runs for his life 40 years. He comes back 40 years later. Let me ask you, had Moses had a different estimation of himself 40 years later? He lost some confidence in himself, didn't he? And the Lord told him to go back and say, I can't, I can't speak. difference, isn't it? Putting our confidence in the Lord. This is what God wants from us, to put our confidence in the Lord. I want to look just real quickly, another Old Testament example, Asa. Asa, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Chronicles. Now, second, uh, Asa is another king of, of Judah. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, and Asa starts off pretty well. Believing God, trusting God, seeking God. And at the beginning of his reign, he had a huge enemy come up against him, the Ethiopians. And Asa had no resources. He had no strength. And he put his faith and trust in God. And God delivered the Ethiopian army into his hands, right? Later in Asa's life, Asa is growing in success, growing in, in money, growing in power, 
right? In 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 7, what has happened here is another king has come up against them, the king of Israel and their army. And in verse 7 of 2 Chronicles chapter 15, And at that time Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hands. Now later in Asa's life, when he finds out that there is an army coming up against him, at this point in time in his life, he has money. So what he does, what does he do? He takes and he hires the army of Syria to come and help him fight his battle. And the seer, the prophet, comes to Asa and says, you shouldn't have done that. You should have trusted in the Lord. You should have put your faith and trust in God. Instead of, tr- listen, money's nice, sure, but it can't save us. It cannot save us. The only thing that can save us is God Almighty. And if we as His people forget that, we are going to miss out. Our strength, our deliverance, our hope is in God and Him alone. We live in a rich country. It would be easy for us to trust in ourselves and to trust in the economy and trust in things like that. But listen, our trust is not in those things but in God. And Asa found that out the hard way. The prophet says to him, verse 8, We're not the Ethiopians and the Libyans, a huge host and very many chariots and horsemen, yet because thou didst, look at this, rely on the Lord. He delivered you out of his hands. The prophet's looking at Asa and said, look at your past battles. The Ethiopians, they're a huge army. You trusted God. You had no resources, and God delivered you. Now, why are you turning to the Syrians for your help? Why are you turning to them? Seek God. He will still bless. He can still deliver. Look at this. Here's the principle that we've been driving home through this. Verse 9. The prophet says to Asa, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward Him. The God that created the universe. this This is important for us. The God that created the universe is looking over the earth right now. He's looking for some people that are believing, that are trusting in any circumstance. His eyes are running through and fro throughout the earth looking for people who will have a heart to say, God is my confidence against my enemies, against anything that I face. It is God in whom I trust. Asa didn't like what the prophet had to say and so he threw him in prison and he was in a rage, verse 10, against the people. And then verse 12, Asa still making these mistakes. In verse 12, And Asa in his thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet until the disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, look at this, he sought not the Lord but the physicians. Listen, there's nothing wrong with us going to the physicians in our time of sickness and our time of trouble. But look, as believers, as Christians, we go to the Lord first. We seek the Lord first. You said, in what? In all thy ways. 
in all thy ways acknowledge me. You say, yeah, but what about when a huge army, when a, when a, when a huge army is rising up against you? In all thy ways acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. You say, what about a physical issue that comes up? Yeah, in all thy ways acknowledge him. It's going to be God that delivers us. It's going to be God that keeps us and helps us. Asa's big mistake is where his confidence was lying. God's looking for those that will believe in Him. Listen, God's work in the Old Testament proves that He is worthy of our confidence. The power that He has, the strength that He has, shows that He's worthy of our confidence. I have some verses here I just want to kind of go over briefly. But the Bible tells us about some coming battles that are not much different than Sennacherib and Rabshakeh surrounding uh, Jerusalem. The Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 16 and Revelation chapter 19, a battle that's to come called Armageddon, right? Where the nations of the earth try to fight against God. When God comes back in Revelation chapter 19 as King of Kings... Turn there. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. So Revelation chapter 16 tells us about this battle of Armageddon. While you turn to Revelation 19, I'll turn to Revelation 16 to get us in the context. Revelation 16 and verse 13 says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. Uh, just quickly here, that's the evil trinity, right? The dragon, the beast, and the false prophets. Just like we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophets. And verse 16, they're gathered together into a place which called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And he gives more details on this Armageddon. In Revelation 19, he said he saw heaven open in verse 11. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true, and righteousness he doth make, uh, make judge and make war. He's talking about Jesus Christ coming back, right? He has the word of God, which is a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. In verse 16, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel, verse 17, standing in the sun, cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together for the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and men that sit on it, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with them and the false prophets that wrought miracles before them, which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake a fire burning with brimstone and the remnant that were slain of the sword of him that sat upon the horse which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. We're talking about the, the battle of Armageddon that is yet to come where all the armies of the earth and the false prophets and the, the beast and the dragon, the antichrist, the Satan himself will try to rise up against God and he will destroy his enemies, those that hate him, those that rise up against him. talks about after that there's a millennium, a thousand year reign where Satan is bound up in the lake of fire and hell. 
for a thousand years. There's peace on earth. And Jesus Christ rules and reigns from Jerusalem. And at the end of that, he's released and he raises up another army. This is the final battle. He raises up another army. It's called the Battle of Gog and Magog there in Revelation Revelation chapter 20. He says, and, and they shall go and deceive the nations of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and gather the, together the battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the city of the saints about, a beloved city, and came down, and fire came down uh, from God out of heaven and devoured them. Final battle. Right. You say, why are you saying this? Why are you bringing us into the battle of Armageddon and the battle of Gog and Magog? I'm saying God showed Himself powerful in the past, and He shows Himself powerful in the future. Therefore, God is able to deliver us today. Right. Sometimes we look at the stories of Hezekiah and say, yeah, God can deliver him, yeah, God can deliver David, yeah, God can do all these things. When we look ahead, we believe what the Bible says about the future battles. But then the battle that we face today in our lives, sometimes we believe those those lies in our head to say, listen, you have to trust in other things, trust in other people, trust in your own talents and abilities, trust in other people's talents and abilities. But today, God is worthy. Listen, He is worthy to be trusted. Our confidence is in Him for salvation, right? For our salvation, for our sins to be forgiven. He is worthy of our confidence for our daily walk. The Bible says this in Proverbs 3, verse 26. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall, look at this, keep thy fit foot from being taken. You say, I don't want to fall. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to fail. Yeah, then put your confidence today, today in God, in the Lord. He says in Ephesians 3, verse 11 and 12, according to the eternal purpose which He had purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in Him. We can go to the Lord in prayer and confidently believe that He hears those prayers and is at work on our behalf today for our future. The things that we face now. Sometimes we can we can even gauge if our confidence is on the is on the Lord because who do we go to in trouble? If if in trouble that we take it to the Lord, then our confidence, right, is in the Lord. But if we carry it around ourselves, if we think that we're responsible for delivering ourselves or helping ourselves, man, we'll worry ourselves to death, won't we? Try and plan, try and figure out, try and connive, try and all these sort of things. But God says what? I'm looking, I'm looking throughout the earth to find people that have a perfect heart toward me. Trust God. It's faith. Here's the principle. It's faith that pleases God in the Old Testament. It's faith that pleases God today. And it's faith that moves God. When we begin to put our faith and trust in Him, 
This is a firm reliance, a calm assurance that what we're facing, what we're going through, the enemies that are speaking into our mind telling us that this is going to be bad, that this can't end right, that we have to quit, that we have to surrender, that we have to somehow settle for something less. God's saying, no. Trust me. Wait upon the Lord. I will come through. Casting all your cares upon Him. What is it today that you have to put your confidence in? What is it today that you've been worrying about? Right? You've been full of care. He said, be careful for nothing but in everything. Right? The prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made. Known God. That's confidence. Putting our confidence in. What is it that we've been trying to figure out, thinking that it was our responsibility when all along God's saying, listen, just believe. Just trust me. Put your faith in me. We're going to have a moment of prayer. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe we would say something like this. God, I, I know that You're my deliverer. I've trusted You as my personal Lord and Savior. And God, You will be faithful to me. You will trust me in the circumstances that I'm facing. The next step in my life for my future, for my family, for my career, for my health. I'm trusting you, God, in all these things. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.